0: Hey guys, it's Diego and Storm here.
1: This is our first episode of the Goodcast.
0: So basically the Goodcast is a new podcast Diego and I have started at Good Enough, where we chat to Goodenough members about what they're studying, what their prospects are in life and their cultural backgrounds, and we just we just want to hear about what different people are doing at Good Enough.
1: This is our first attempt at recording a podcast. We are professionals, mm-hmm. completely. Um, and this first episode, in particular, has a bit of a shaky audio, so be gentle with us.
0: Please be gentle. We are only human. Um, all right. So the first podcast guest is Alex Walters. You might know him. He's a lovely chap.
1: Alex is from Australia, and he is reading. So he says, mm-hmm. the LLM in Human Rights at UCL.
0: We really hope you guys enjoy, and as we said, we will hopefully improve over time. So just be, just bear with us. Bye, guys.
1: Bye bye. One two three four.
2: My name's Alex Walters. I'm from Perth, Western Australia. I'm reading the LLM in Human Rights Law at UCL. Reading it? I just want
0: to use the word reading. Apparently
2: so. I mean, I would say studying, but apparently. You, you read the Master of Laws, the BCL. You're a, you're a reader. That okay, uh, sounds so sort of fancy. I mean, I read, I make frustrated noises in the library. There's sort of a whole lot that goes you do into in LLM. Do
0: you do exercises too in the library? Because I saw you
2: there. Uh, yeah, I broke my arm in um, one of my um, most shameful moments, New Year's Eve 2016-17. So I'm frequently doing very strange wrist exercises involving... A green resistance
0: band. Yes, I thought I saw yeah. that. But you, did you attach it to your foot?
2: Yep. Yeah. It's sort of you, you. You put it on your knee and you do sort of interesting stretching exercises. Yeah. The good
0: thing about good enough is I feel mm. like you can be accepted in the library doing weird arm um, wrist exercises, and it's just okay, you know. Even people make grunting noises. They're just accepted.
1: grunting noises. Uh, I I know. I think people just like look like weirdly really on you. If you're actually talking really hard as well. Yeah, Michael probably. Workman
2: is a very aggressive typer. Oh. Michael Workman, he's from Perth as well. Mm-hmm. He's he's Bald? Yeah, but Bold. he always gets pissed off when I the way I describe Michael is bald and charming. So that's sweet. He... Actually, yeah. Accurate, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But he I mean he gets mock pissed with me. So he says, Oh, I heard you describe me as bald and charming to X and he just gives me this. Sort of disappointed, furious, loving dad-like look. I just call oh, him, Dad, and Lord. he calls me Son. We do. The joke is, he's just turning thirty, but he's got a bit of Benjamin Button going on because okay. he's looked forty-two since he was about twenty-five. <laughs> so each year gets closer. He's going backwards in age.
0: Okay. So so your master's is in it's in law, but what? Human like, rights law. Human rights law. Human Amazing. rights law. Yeah.
2: So and your
0: dissertation.
2: Uh, Procedural fairness in prisons in Australia, essentially arguing for sort of a system that's more like the UK, so having oral hearings for prisoner rights more frequently, so for parole, for classification status, things of this nature, and if you get put into, if you get subject to a sort of prison, kind of prison punitive regime, so if you've done something naughty, Mm -hmm. you should still still have the right to have a hearing for that so there's a big difference between Australia which sort of has less of these kinds of instrumental protections and also has an incredibly high rate of indigenous over incarceration and the UK because of the European Convention on Human Rights divergence in public law from us very much a rights based focus on what prisoners should be entitled to mm-hmm. and so the architecture of UK prisons reflects that in, in what you're entitled to as a prison when your rights are how, how did you get into the topic? <coughs> I, um, I practised in Australia uh, for three, oh, three no, probably four to five years, but the last three and a half was at the Aboriginal Legal Service in Western Australia, and a lot of my clients are prisoners, in particular juvenile detainees. Oh my word.
0: And, uh, yeah. This is so interesting. <coughs> yeah,
2: it's um, the great shame of Australian public, life, well there are two, so thanks Diego, cheers coffee for you storing one coffee yes
0: please well, chef, only if
2: there's enough uh, no there is enough yeah. I'll just
0: have a little bit you have most
2: of it oh, it's bubbling in the background that
0: lovely so what as w- this also like to see if they have the right to vote Things
2: like ah to vote. As, no that's so very different position in Australia to here so you can vote in federal and federal elections provided you're serving a term of imprisonment of less than either Two or three years in Australia, whereas here, interesting. generally speaking, you know, the position is if you're serving a period of imprisonment, you do not have the right to vote. Though that position's changing sort of as we speak. So a very limited number of prisoners in the UK on temporary release on licence, so on parole, will be allowed to vote. But of the 60,000 prisoners in the United Kingdom, pretty much all of them are still denied the vote. So, in Costa Rica, I think all prisoners are entitled to have a vote. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you have voting booths uh, at prisons. Mm. I, I, I don't really get the idea that when you break the law, I can, you break the social contract, <coughs> yeah, then right. the, the prison is sort of like the way to redeem yourself, but then mm. that should be the punishment, mm-hmm. right? You shouldn't be able to just also have other rights removed, Yeah. which including voting
2: rights. I don't know. what You know what the rationale is? So, I mean, you're... Your argument, which I agree with, is that you have all these rights as citizens and you don't erode them by virtue of citizenship. Your punishment is no more than the denial of your freedom and perhaps also anything that might be incidental to that freedom. So we might say if you were to have an entitlement to housing or social security, uh, when in in general society, by virtue of your imprisonment, you won't need to exercise those rights because you've been cared for by the state in the context of your imprisonment. So the logic is, there's all kinds of perverse logics to it. It's essentially an historic anachronism that uh, first arose from sort of feudal England. Mm. So if you were imprisoned, you lost your status, entitlement to land, your family, um, standing, and all these sorts of things. And then when that was first implemented, um, I suppose through legislation, we're talking about people with entitlements being reduced to the status of the common man on imprisonment, so not able to vote. Right. And then that's then enacted through legislation from 1870 through to the present day. There's sort of a few ideas behind it. It's essentially, well, you know, as you say, you forfeited the social contract, you shouldn't have the right to vote. It also says imprisonment is a sufficient threshold of severity at which we can say, well, your offending is of such gradation that you forfeited the right to vote. But they're all kind of perverse. They don't really track with how I think the United Kingdom's progressed in its prisoner rights culture since the 70s. It's very... it seems quite antiquated. I think also the big problem you have is you look at the the composition of any Western prison and it's disproportionately minorities. So you're essentially saying, okay, we allow for disproportionate incarceration of minorities... And we're also fine with denying them the vote. So mm. people who experience marginalisation in wider society, we should see fit to also prevent them from voting on incarceration, which I think is really problematic. Uh, yeah. In the US, even more so, because you a lot of states you can't vote for life, right? Yeah, after being a felon. That's and crazy. Yeah, it's mad. Um, <clears throat> I think it's a big well, conspiracy is the wrong word, but it's certainly like a sort of engineered power structure, I think.
0: Yes. So, the people you were defending, the criminals, what were their charges? So,
2: I mostly did civil work, a little bit of crime. So, some of my, cl- my clients were, generally speaking, pursuing claims against the state. So, I had clients who suffered injury from heat exhaustion in prison vans, and what? clients Wait, who... they were... There were a few instances in Australia, in Western Australia, one that resulted in a fatality. Mm-hmm. The, that's the one, probably... Better off talking about uh, this this Aboriginal Elder Mr. Ward in 2010. He was arrested for street drinking in a park in Laverton, which is a small town, three or four hundred kilometres from Kalgoorlie, which in in turn is the largest regional town in the Goldfields region of Western Australia, but no more than 20 to 50,000 people, 800 kilometres from Perth. He was arrested for street drinking, which in Western Australia, you can probably say as a rule, if you're white and you're caught street drinking, you'll be told to tip it out. Mm-hmm. If you're Indigenous, you're more likely to be arrested or um, issued with cautions, sort of elevated um, elevated options as far as the criminal justice system goes. So he's arrested for street drinking, was drinking a can of beer in a park, and um, this is a guy who was an Aboriginal elder who travelled with a cultural group to China as part of a cultural exchange, so very well respected in the Goldfields community, Uh, a justice of the peace, so not a judge uh, someone who didn't have formal legal training but had powers to grant or deny bail refused to grant him bail, would later concede at the inquest that he didn't have a particularly good understanding of the requirements of the Bail Act, so this man is taken in a because he's denied Bailey, has to be remanded to the nearest regional prison, which is Kalgoorlie, some 400 kilometres away. It's a long... Is it's a long... Australia's so huge. Australia's huge. huge. And, that's, and so that's 1,200 kilometres from Perth, where I live, and that's... I wouldn't describe that as the most remote part of the state by any means. Yeah. So he's put in the back of this prison van with two guards working for G... G4S. It's G4S is a security company, the security conglomerate yeah. from the United Kingdom that... Provides security contracting services uh, all over the world. And so he's put in the back of this prison van. Uh, this fleet of prison vans had, um, in the last two years, been subject to a review by uh, and this, there's a statutory officer in WA called the, off, uh, the Inspector of Custodial Services. He essentially reviews custody standards across the state. And he said, there's a problem with these vans. The air conditioning habitually breaks down something bad is gonna happen unless it gets it didn't get fixed. Mm-hmm. They set out from Laverton, it's 42 degrees, mm-hmm. bearing in mind this is a non-violent offender, mm-hmm. rather than putting him up in a console up front with the two of them, mm-hmm. chucked in the back, air conditions not working, set out on the drive, he has perhaps a small water bottle, if all these details are not precisely correct, then I apologize. But They set out and it's a four hour drive to Kalgoorlie. Um, I think the CCTV camera is broken so ordinarily you can monitor what's going on in the back sort of 20 minutes from Kalgoorlie they just hear this thump and um, they open, they get out they open the back they open the doors and just this sort of tide of heat just he's come. just collapsed mm. their first reaction of one of the guards is to squirt water onto him mm-hmm. they drag him they get him to Kalgoorlie hospital he dies um, within an hour and um, yeah, so that's the kind of stuff we do you know we did. It, yeah, we did at work. So right, and then what do you do with this with this client? Do you pursue so his family. So there was a so they wanted compensation. Well, in this case, first you have an inquest because anyone who dies in Western Australia while under the custody of corrective services subject to a mandatory coronial inquest. So similar to what they've got here. In terms of the function, the coroner carries out, the coroner was just scathing and asked, "How could this happen in a society that considers itself just and humane?" Mm-hmm. Um, his family was from a remote desert community, so. when your remote how remote is it? So this community, Warburton, is, it would be eleven hundred kilometres from Kalgoorlie, so it would be. I use the crow flies, something like 1600 kilometres from Perth. Mm-hmm. So a community of 400 people pretty much kind in it. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And
0: he was a leader there. Like he
2: it. was Yeah, he was a sort of cultural elder in their community. So the Western Australian Desert is sort of a patchwork of cultural and linguistic groups. So if you look at a map of Australia, it's a really great map the Australian and Torres Strait Islander Commission produced some years ago that sort of it. it's a little patchwork quilt of all the cultural and language group so that's the kind of stuff we did and i had a lot of clients who were juvenile detainees there was a lot of issues in australia with mistreatment of juvenile detainees in 2016 we had a royal commission into abuse of juvenile detainees in the dondale detention center in the northern territory
0: And are they're mostly aboriginals
2: yeah so aboriginal australians are 28 times more likely to be in prison than non-aboriginal people okay. so what is the western apartheid south africa what is the percentage of the uh, population? Two. Two percent. Two percent, and somewhere uh, between 20. 28 to 40 percent of the prison population. Probably, mm. so maybe it's 26 times more likely, and 28 percent of the prison population, but that's, it's higher amongst juvenile detainees, right. again, and women as well, higher than sort of that general number. So,
1: that's what you're working there. What make you take mm. the decision of coming to London to just study further?
2: I mean, mm. why London, and then why now? Yeah, so... I've always wanted to live in Europe. Uh, it's quite nice. Enjoy the summer. <laughs> Enjoy the summer. Yeah, Obviously, I came for the London sun. That's right. Um, I hear the beaches here are great. They're really so great I the Head beach. down to Blackpool in the summer. Lay a towel down on the pebbles and look <laughs> out at the slate grey sky. I was stuff. just googling Blackpool, like really, this really? Afternoon because ah. because
1: last night one of my friends was like, "This is this more this is the most decadent." Town
2: in um, like is England. It's, it's disgusting, right? they were in the Premier League a few years ago. Blackpool, I think they're the they're, they're in friend. Friend. Yeah. Yeah. That right, the, some been the
0: most decadent in yeah. what Whip- way?
2: Because it used to
1: be like this very fancy resort destination. Oh, but now it's just decadent, as as far as I know. If there are any Blackpool listeners, it's uh, very tacky. <laughs> if there are <laughs> Blackpool listeners, we apologise. It's so much
2: better than Brighton. It's not.
0: <laughs> 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 Again, okay, also you wanted to come to come, yeah also, yeah. You're saying that you guys almost sound like you admire their take on law in comparison to Australia.
2: Yeah, I think so. So uh, European human rights culture is much more embedded. So I think I mean I don't know. Maybe I'll go home. Maybe I'll stay here. But I certainly part was exploring the prospect of employment here mm. and perhaps down the line using a native going to the bar maybe So
0: Amazing. Mm. Yeah. It's so annoying in life how you hear so much about America and the injustice, you know, towards the African-Americans mm. and how, I mean, there's so many um, police episodes, you know, with them also targeting black Americans. Mm. And you don't hear it that much in Australia and it's also it so a true. huge problem. It's actually
2: yeah. the first time I hear those my life.
0: The fact that you've spent, this is what you're specialising in.
2: So, one of the best tweets I've seen about... Uh, the scandal engulfing the Australian cricket team. Yeah, we we'll we'll were actually going to talk about that. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. I'm a long suffering cricketer and fan. So, oh. but one of the best. Um, we're all talking about hot takes back on. Oh, this person's got a great hot take on the ball tampering scandal. The best one I saw was: death in custody, nope. Asylum seekers, nope. Environmental issues, nope. Mm. Equality for same sex marriage, nope. Oh, they messed with a cricket ball. Oh, this is a national disgrace. Yeah. Scandal. Yeah, scandal. So that kinda of tells you a little bit about the prism through which Australia views itself and what's important. That's um, a good
0: actually, that's a good perspective to look mm, I didn't think of that way.
2: Yeah. That was one of the better hot takes I saw. It's Australia sort of defines itself by its sporting mm-hmm. achievement and has quite a profound blind spot when it comes to racial issues. It's a very multicultural and successful multicultural society, but there's very much a qualification on your acceptance in Australian society as a migrant, as an other. It's essentially, Australia is a great country, we want you to agree that it's a great country, and we want you to stay in this well-defined box we have of you as good minority, good refugee, good other. But if you put your head above the parapet and say there's something fundamentally wrong with all of this, Mm. we will go after you. As a, as a white male-educated mm-hmm. person in mm.
1: Australia, how do you handle... What what, is, what, how, what strategies do you have to just
2: be an ally
0: yeah, in, 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 is, in this family. very
2: particular country? Mm. Mm. Being an ally, so in, from England or in Australia? No, in Australia. In Australia. Oh, I think first things, you got to recognise you're white, so maybe you're part of the problem. But if you're not part of the problem, and hopefully I think I'm not, mm-hmm. then... You always. It sounds like you're not. I mean, well, you maybe. I'd, you always ask the question does any of it really matter? Are we getting anywhere? Yeah. So I think first thing you might ask yourself is should I be the one talking about these issues? Should I be the one offering the perspective? Or is there a better voice that is Indigenous? And why don't we listen to them? Mm. So Australia's got this really potted history of essentially ignoring the wishes of Aboriginal people and employing top down. Um, so solutions in inverted commas in 2005 John Howard, the then Prime Minister implemented a wave of um, reforms in inverted commas in the Northern Territory in response to allegations of child sexual abuse including uh, welfare quarantine he brought in the army essentially stripped Indigenous Australia of a huge raft of for autonomy, mm. so that kind of stuff is pretty damaging. Mm. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, it's a little interesting juncture in Australian and Indigenous relations at the moment because there's there was a lengthy consultation period on uh, reconciliation and what kind of model for reconciliation do you want embedded in the Constitution. And last year, Aboriginal Australians had a there was this big conference at Uluru. The sacred rock in the middle. I remember that you remember yeah. And they came out and issued the Uluru Statement, which said, we actually don't want anything in the constitution that's sort of empty words. We want... Action. We want action. We want a representative body yeah. that's sort of constitutionally enshrined that is a consultation body. So you, the institutions of government, have to talk to us before doing things to us, which is not unreasonable... Yeah,
1: isn't there like an international
2: convention that is supposed to enforce this? Australia is a signatory to yeah. that convention, yeah. So it's sort of it would make sense that Australia would abide by its international law obligations, mm. seeing as it sort of models itself as a um, one of the better international actors as far as human rights norms go. I mean, that's a bit of an illusion. That's the, the portrayal it has. Australia exactly. Right. But everyone then, you know, thinks Australia great. You know, kangaroos, equality. <laughs> barbecues, are good. Barbecues. You know, everyone says shrimp on the barbie, but there's not that many shrimp in Australia. We're more a prawn-based economy. Prawn on mm. the barbie. But, yeah. Prawns are yummier, I think. And pr- prawn, I think,
0: would be more classy. So you can say Prawn that. is
2: more classy, prawn but Australia...
0: Do we have a lot of class? <laughs>
1: no. We lack it at times.
2: I think the first big scandal i heard from Australia was, from uh, Rex, yeah. was the Nauru uh, uh, migrants. Uh, yeah. Do you mean Tampa or Nauru, the present? The present, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So... What, 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 what happened there? So, so basically what we do is when someone comes on a boat to Australia fleeing persecution in, could be Afghanistan, could be Iran, could be a Central Asian country, could be Rohingya Muslims... They come on a boat, and we say, "No, you can't come by boat. You got to fly in." So then we put them in a tropical death camp, and say, "You can't ever settle in Australia. We'll put you in the gulag for however long, some interminable period, while we process you, and then you can resettle in a third country, um, somewhere not as nice as sunny Broome or, you know, mild Melbourne or, um, yeah, I isolated Perth." Isolated but Perth. beautiful Perth. That's right. Yeah. But beautiful. Instead, you can go to Papua New Guinea, or right. I don't even think the Cambodia solutions on the table anymore, which was quite a good third-party solution. So, but, but then they're, they're stuck in Nauru, right? Nauru is the processing center. Right. Yeah, and I think also settlement takes place in Nauru, but yeah, I think that's right.
0: But it's not. This refugee thing, it's not Australia's fault. You guys are literally an island Mm. surrounded by water, Mm. so you're naturally going to get a lot of refugees.
2: Yeah, I think there's... It's interesting in the way in which migration policy changes in Australia. So after the war, we had a big influx of southern Europeans. It's always... Every generation then experiences the experience of being characterised as the other marginalised demonised so we have Greek Italian um, perhaps I know, Croatians probably if we're, if we're talking about Croatians that's probably late to date but we have a 50s and 60s now these kinds of populations have a lot of English a lot of Irish then we have a generation in the 80s fleeing the Viet- war in Vietnam mm-hmm. so a lot of Vietnamese refugees Cambodians people fleeing the conflict uh, there's a period in the 90s after Tiananmen Square 90s 89 Mm Eighty nine, when Bob Hawke opens up amnesty for Chinese students studying in Australia in response to um, Tiananmen Square, so there are these distinct periods where we allow a certain uh, character of migrant in and generally there's this sort of normative disruption but then within a generation there's this sort of acceptance of the recast fabric of Australian multicultural life but every generation we go through the same thing, so in the 90s, Pauline Hanson, who's our Nigel Farage, decided, you know, I'll go after the Chinese. Asians mm-hmm. are swamping Australia. Now <laughs> she's back in politics again. She's doing it to Muslim people. So, you know, it's just this. We just repeat this cycle until the normative disruption is over. So in 20 years' time, no one will no one will talk about um, Muslim migration to Australia. I suspect we'll probably come up with someone else right. to sort of demonise.
0: It's so interesting how it's so nice to hear because all, all of our countries have such issues. Mm. Because in South Africa, Australia is seen as like utopia. We have tons of S- South Africans, as you know. In from Perth, so, yeah. yes, we well, get the really. worst ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Right. do my accent.
2: Do it. Yeah, do it, do it. Oh, very good. So, Generally speaking, they've fled at the end of apartheid. There'll be Afrikaans, there'll be white South Africans, and they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe you let anyone go to the beach here. Unbelievable, you let the public in. And they'll say things like, oh, you know Mandela, but my man, he was a terrorist. That's what everyone forgets. The ANC used to bomb man and now he's a hero.
0: Okay, Alex, you're like twenty <clears throat> years behind like
2: Well no, but they're all sixty okay. and saying the same thing oh, you in Perth so? Western Australia. Okay. Yeah, interesting.
0: But but it's so nice to <clears throat> hear about that. But um recently because South Africa's having some issues with land reform and all that jazz. Yes, you know. I do because Peter
2: Dutton, our immigration minister, said will openly will have the white side we'll African the the farmers, side farmers. They're, they're persecuted, let them in oh yeah dude, oh, yeah.
0: that honestly it yeah, just triggered yeah. such a chain reaction Yeah, and people were furious <clears throat> a few of my black friends basically just said they, can, they said Australians can have you guys it's fine
2: this well so we don't ignorant. want them so i just want to be clear i'm sick of white south africans in perth it's a very certain kind so just to be okay, absolutely you. clear you adore me i do adore you people. and the other thing about the white south african community good enough is everyone i talk to has a really good understanding of racial justice mm. and things that are problematic in imagery mm-hmm. and politics in terms of the legacy of white apartheid mm-hmm. South Africa. They're but, very yeah. woke,
0: so woke, very woke. That can be this podcast yeah. title, just for the same of Woke, be woke,
1: white, because it's interesting walking around I and mean, good enough. Um,
2: Woking around, or <laughs> or <laughs> Working around, you just walk, walk around. Just you're, walk, walk. you're walking, but listening to Kendrick. <laughs> right? Only yeah, political yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, then as walk and walk, um, yeah. you see the like all these 60s cricket teams uh, the yeah, like yeah, the yeah. pictures uh-huh. and this is like all these people from I don't know Kenya Sri Lanka mm. uh, uh, like South Africa Pakistan. and they're all white they're all yeah, like the white people right. who went yeah. there uh, like <coughs> son of someone else yeah. uh, and then they came to London to study yeah. um, to
2: become British to mm. um, so the college, the Commonwealth College is <coughs> it very friendly? Wasn't it? Very <laughs> more accurately the White Commonwealth College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think there'll be
1: some attempts to just like address that at uh, the college, uh, which is funny because so the, Im- the imagery around the college. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I many. think the members are very woke, as you say. Yeah. Uh, at times, the institution tries to catch up, not always successfully. Yes. Um,
2: yes. It's, it's weird. It's, 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 a, it's a
1: weird. It's a weird position you're in uh, in the college,
2: I guess. As <laughs> yeah it's a bit about what is the college that's how it can it the sh- college as the institution reflect its students um, or should it reflect the governance and those who are the governors yeah. so that's an open question for mm. the college I think so what's great is there's a really diverse Latin American community um, there's a lot of students from the subcontinent there's not a lot of black African students here true it's one thing you certainly yeah. notice yeah, so definitely. That's probably something the college needs to be woke. About. Yeah. Can't be woke! Can you be, no, they can't be no. woke. They need to be alive too. Yeah, be aware of. Yeah. Um, structural impediments to uh, African students living here, I think. So, yeah, we could do a bit with the imagery around the place, I reckon. But I think it's also a big reflection of like the imbalances you have
1: uh, in higher education in London and abroad I mean yeah, it's just exactly, yeah. people who come here from Costa Rica as well are people like way a lot better mm. off than the definitely mm. than the average of, of the country Well, will here
2: on modelling contracts so <laughs> just yeah. facing a yeah. billboard that's why I have a, right, my leg crossed I uh, <laughs> just my contract I can ah, never well, I, do that. I do that too yeah, yeah. Storm's not doing it I'm yeah.
1: so sorry and yeah, have you got a contract with <laughs> yourself?
0: yeah it's you, cross-legged you
1: Regarding the college, I, was, because I, I remember seeing you playing cricket at the lawn, right? Did uh, you? Uh,
2: cricket or croquet? Croquet. <laughs> say, yeah, you're right, croquet. <laughs> I'm playing cricket for the college. Are you? Uh, yeah. yeah. We have uh, a, a cricket team? There is a good enough college cricket team. I suspect our only bowler is... Alex. No, yeah. no, no, not me. I think Sabul. Sabal, yeah. will be... Sabal's Pakistani. He'll be bowling some serious heat. Mm-hmm. There might be mm-hmm. a few short ones at the head I reckon and also Saffa's pretty good Saffa's pretty good yeah Saffa's good Mario's actually a bit of a surprise too Wait, uh, so we're going to play Storm. someone <laughs> no. we're going to play someone there's four or five games over the course of the summer yeah, apparently I can... we
0: play Cambridge too
2: oh when's that happening I
0: don't know but we apparently in the past have played them to them Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I would yeah.
2: definitely play against the toffs from Cambridge Rocks. Oh, love to beat them. Yeah, it's like. Ha-ha. But nice. you know, Australia's cricketing reputation's in ruins, so it won't it matter. Is if actually, if yeah. It is actually, yeah, it won't no, no, no. matter if I use a few choice, you know, adjectives to well, describe our opponents. So will just I... expect it's part of the. We course. could just take as part of, of the of the podcast, and, yeah. We we could, yeah. We could just... Just... pre-record some sledges for those <laughs> toff so and Yeah.
0: Well, what I want to say as a South African, I just think it's very easy to be like to generalise and be like, oh classic Australians, bloody cheats, whatever. Mm. But you probably find this might be a bit controversial, but you probably find a lot of cricket players have done it and they just haven't mm-hmm. gone caught. Yeah. And I was I was just thinking the psychology behind cheating, because even people like Lance Armstrong, mm. who had so much to lose and mm. yet he still cheated, um, I just think they get so sucked up in it and they don't they don't they lose complete perspective and they mm. just do it. Yeah. So I, I don't think yeah. we can be too harsh on you guys. It's not great,
2: obviously. Yeah. But well, I think there's there's a lot to unpack in it. I think there's the first thing, which is in Australia they say the job of Prime Minister is on par with the job of the Australian cricket captain. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's it. arguably the most important position in Australian society. Interesting. So there's really? that. Yeah. Which is yes, it's a biggest sport in Australia, cricket. I would so Rugby it's. Sure no wouldn't wouldn't so cricket is the sport and so there's a reverence attached to the position of captain and one of the the cheaters if you will was the Australian captain uh, no. Stephen Smith and there's also this additional thing about what's meant by the baggy green so when you represent Australian Test cricket you receive this cap it's called the baggy green and I it'll have um, it'll have stitched in your player number so you might be the 450th player to play test cricket for Australia, and that will be knitted into your cap. And it's charged with all this meaning. It's got... There's a reverence to it, but also it's said to be essentially like the embodiment of Australian sporting values in one sort of... In one hat. it's meant to be about playing hard but fair. It's the embodiment of Australian sporting exceptionalism. There's a lot inside it. It's about the way we perceive ourselves, the way we play sport, and so it's always meant to have this purity to it. And that's the that's one other aspect of why mm. the cheating stuff is is so bad. Yeah. Mm. So as you say, as you know, ball tampering happens all over cricket, all over the world. Um, it, England, when they won the Ashes in 2005, Marcus Triscothic famously, who won an MBE spoke about how he used a certain type of lolly to get the ball to the swing. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, none of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically voodoo, the way in which a cricket ball moves through the air. When you bowl the ball, cricket ball is is a, a spherical, is a sphere. It's, two, it's sort of stitched together leather. There's a central, there's multiple stitches running across the circumference. Essentially, traditionally... You will run your index and middle finger down the seam, right. and you'll sort of flick your wrist. And generally speaking, you want the seam to be pointing straight, or at a thirty to forty-five degree angle, either to the left or the right, and that will correspond to some movement through the air. Particularly the newer the ball is, there's there's this dark art which is called reverse swing. So if you hold the ball like this, traditionally, so the the right-hand side of the ball is shiny and the left-hand side is less shiny the ball will swing uh, conventionally from the right-hand side to the left so it'll kind of like a loose parabolic like right. not a particularly steep parabolic arc as it approaches the batsman. with reverse swing that's reversed so you've got the shiny side on the right-hand side you scuff up the left-hand side and by some kind of magic which to be frank, no one understands. <laughs> Everyone says they understand how to reverse swing it. It's nonsense. Yeah. A few Pakistani bowlers actually know how to do it, and so now with reverse swing, it swings towards the shiny side instead of away. So the Australian cricketers were caught. We use the expression "village" in Australia. Something is village in cricket if it's not very professional, if it's laughable, if it's the opposite of being a professional. It's to play village cricket is to play the lowest standard. True. So they used sandpaper, which is, if you were doing it in your at home to, to cheat, you would just get sandpaper and rub it to course up one side. Yeah. So that's what they were doing, and that was the Australian cricket team. Notwithstanding, in the fact, there's thousands of cameras at the ground, it was, not and, only were mm-hmm. they cheating, it was just so stupid, yeah. and, and village.
0: And um, the Cameron Warcraft tape.
2: Cameron Bancroft and David Warner. So Bancroft was the, was the one who carried it out, and Warner was the instigator.
0: So, because he was young and a and a junior cricket player, they think he was sort of coerced <clears throat> to do it
1: because he was a baby. How did they? How did people <laughs> notice this?
2: I mean, so how, many how were they? What happened was Cameron Bancroft, in his pocket, had this yellow cloth tape, taped something. Mm. Turns out it was sandpaper, and the cameras on him. So, we think what's happened is one of the South African journalists has said. They're getting the ball to reverse swing too early. Something's going on here. Keep uh, the cameraman's eye on these players. Wow. And they did, and Bancroft pulls out this little yellow tab, and then you hear the commentary box go, Oh, no, oh, what no. is that? So they knew. It comes up on the screen. And there
0: was the Australian commentators that said.
2: Uh, this true. is a mixed commentary box okay. with people like Mark Nicholas, Shane Warne, there would have been Graeme Smith, so English, South African, Australian. They've seen that and they've basically said, what? And so at the same time, the Australian coach sees it, gets on the walkie-talkie to the 12th man, which is like the, not the substitute player because he can't actually participate, but should someone get injured, he comes on the field and fields. Okay. Gets on the walkie-talkie and the actual quote attributed to him by the um, by Australian press and by the guy who runs cricket Australia was, what the f is he doing? Get that out of there! And so he puts it down his pants. And it's so
0: awkward because yeah. when you watch the video, it's just like zoomed up and it's on his crotch. crotch. Yeah, <laughs> on his number. Yeah. The, the headline of the
2: Northern Territory news was "I've got some sticky on my dicky" and a photo of him doing it. You have to love journalists. You have to love journalists. No, no, yeah, the Northern Territory news is renowned for always having crocodile pictures, God, uh, things to do with farts, lewd acts. Those sorts of things are always on their front amazing. page. Amazing. Yeah,
0: that is brilliant.
2: And, um, yeah, so today Warner 12 months, Smith 12 months. The ban, uh, Smith can't captain the Australian team for two years. Dave Warner's been excluded from ever having a leadership role in Australian cricket again. Cameron Bancroft received a nine month ban, so that's crazy. And the, <coughs>
0: the press conferences went tomorrow.
2: There was like now, yeah, it'll be what I saw Steve Smith was being essentially dragged by multiple South African police and security I saw that too only a few hours ago <coughs> so he'll be flying to Sydney what's that flight? it's five hours to Perth it's probably eight it's a hours 24 hour flight. is it? it's probably no, no, that's from England sorry. well, eight, eight to ten of travel time to Sydney mm-hmm. so he's probably overnight going to be making a press conference on landing I think he's going to quit cricket for a year but um, the captain the captain so they've been banned but yeah, yeah. there's other ways you can play cricket you can play for your state. Well, in this case, they've all been Probably banned not, from playing state. Yeah. They could have played in the IPL, but the IPL teams have cut. What the is the IPL? The Indian Premier League. So It's, it's this, like the best league in the... No, it's this ultimate short-form competition where the franchises are owned by Indian billionaires and they just basically throw money at players to come play for the IPL franchise. And it's got ridiculous um, coverage rights. It's watched by millions, billions of people. Uh, and, you know, for a lot of it, Australian cricketers and players in the West Indies. Is it like a Champions League for, uh, for cricket? I mean, do so like context for it me? Yeah, so the context is they're all Indian franchises. So they're all essentially, what would be the best way to think of it? You might think of it as a, sh- a condensed, maybe the best way to think of this is like a condensed version of a, a North American sport but with representation from all over the globe. So okay. if the NBA was more, had a shorter season and was more international, you might say, we play a three-month season of the NBA where you've got a, the starting five at Houston has a Spaniard, a Frenchman, an Australian, and two Americans, that kind of division. So we have this short competition, it's Indian only, but it has the best players from all over the world. So Champions League would be if it was all kinds of European clubs playing, but this is India only. Maybe you might think of it as the Prem. Mm. Like a condensed version of the Prem. Okay. Yeah. A lot of money. Um, very short season. And it's, in some ways, cannibalising international cricket. So, But those two players have been cut from playing that this year. So they would have made... One of them wanted to make $2 million. Wow, Australian like dollar, or US dollars. For, like the, for like the short season. For two- to three-month season, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Pays yeah. to get a big ball. I might... I might you know get not, warm up the arm yeah. gonna start doing some shoulder presses <laughs> maybe a few bicep curls hit a long ball the
0: usual you yeah. definitely know like Diego and I were saying the the sort of premise behind this podcast is we want to know get to know people on a mm. professional level too we mm. all know each other on a social level yeah like you know so much about so much um, and a lot of people wouldn't know this if they just chatted to you last thing yeah. you wanted to ask when you applied to good enough <coughs> you know do you remember you had to say had to how you would yeah. contribute yeah. they were like what were you contribute to society to the good enough community mm. what did you say
2: i must have said i would play in the cricket team probably talked about social justice or something. Did you? Um,
0: Did you talk about
2: cooking yeah. or like um, cooking. karaoke? Cooking? Cooking or karaoke? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> cooking? No. I think no, I said- no, no, no cocaine. No. There's no cocaine here. <laughs> cooking home. Storm's Alex winking. Alex is winking right now. Storm's <laughs> winking. <laughs> no. no. Why is everyone <laughs> winking here? Uh-huh. We should make jokes about drugs. Are good enough. That's not. That's no laughing matter. That's surely not. For every like gram of cocaine, there's a dead Mexican child somewhere. That's kind of my attitude to Americans' consumption.
1: What you find interesting about like social justice people who are into drugs? Who's like, it's this, like, hey, you are very much aware of like everything, like yeah. climate change, indigenous rights, whatever, but you don't think about the drugs going from Colombia safe to Australia the US. Knows, yeah, yeah. It's basically all my country and all the way there. Yeah, like, exactly, so, yeah. like you,
2: you're more than happy to preach, but as soon as you know, you can put a little bit up your nostril and, it's hard, you know, yeah, dance it's, to your rhythm, at four in the morning. You know,
0: all goes out the window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: yeah it's, it's one of the like,
2: blind, of, spot, like yeah. blind spot, like blind spot, SJWs.
1: It. So you said cricket, you said- uh, So
2: social justice, didn't mention cocaine. No, no. Not a big thing in Perth. That's nice. No, like Western Australia's really big on crystal methamphetamines. Interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, amphetamines, I think, are just <clears throat> big among students because, it's like, Concerta, Ritalin. Dexamphetamine, right? though. Oh, sorry. Okay. So
2: yeah, in Australia, it, it's it turns people into hollowed-out, like, <clears throat> psychotic vampires. No teeth. Yeah, as Unadjusted. as Jenna Marone said in um, Thirty Rock, she asked the doctor. Is crystal meth an option? Like, what will it do for my teeth retention? It's not great. Crystal meth is not good for teeth. I <laughs> once had a client who, pretty sure he was high in crystal. He was talking and then he spat out a tooth. Fuck! <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah, right? After you at <laughs> time, in that. your direction? He, he was talking in a very excited manner. Oh my and God. then a tooth blew out. And I was like, okay. So are you going to crystal meth? Did, did he notice? Did he uh, notice? Uh, no, he did not notice. Uh, so didn't notice, no. no.
0: You should have caught it and kept it as a little, like, good luck shot. There was chance, no way I was touching it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I left that to the pool
2: cleaners. Right, I um, think that's a great closing note. That's notes. a yeah. great closing note. Yeah. I mean, that's I... why you don't do crystal meth, kids. Don't do crystal meth. <laughs>
0: Bad beauty. This is not global. This is not normal. This is not normal.
1: Hey guys, thanks for reaching this point and for listening to the podcast.
0: And um, we'll be back next time with new faces and new voices.
1: The music you're listening is by the band Famous Logs in History and the song is called This is Not Normal.
0: So we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.
1: Bye bye.